conversation with Rich Sheffern was so intense, I had to split it up in two parts. So in this part, which you'll listen to in a minute, Rich really digs in deep on the future of direct response and online marketing. His views of what he foresees in the future are interesting, but scared the living daylights out of me. As we all know, it's best to be prepared than to fight change. I'm sure your mind will be blown after this discussion. I personally couldn't sleep for days thinking about all the crazy and exciting changes that are going to happen in the next 10 years in online marketing and just selling products in general online. Don't forget to check out part one of my discussion with Rich. He talks about how he helps entrepreneurs and his best tactics for being successful online. And as usual, please leave any comments or feedback down below. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share for more amazing content. But since you, you're always so ahead of the curve, I'm actually curious about this. You know, other than this specific project, what do you right. see in the next 10 years in direct response? Like we're going now, uh, you know, in my opinion, just from what I'm seeing from the marketers, we speak like a more individ individualized approach for sure in terms of selling, you know, obviously the changes with, you know, targeting and so forth with Apple and, and, and so forth. Where are you seeing like direct response going in the next 10 years? Okay, well, some of the obvious stuff, right? Like which... Um, like I, I, I'll spend a few minutes here, but then focus on stuff that is less obvious. Um, so obviously data is going to be huge. Right. And I think that like some of those AI things that I did from 2017 to 2019 at Agora before we launched my thing, right. Was, um, I got, gave me the opportunity to look at enterprise level, uh, AI tools that we haven't seen anything like in our world yet. Right. Um, and the which made me very aware very early on just how much like, you know, you, AI is completely worthless without any data. And it's marginally better if it's someone else's data. What really makes it valuable is your data about your customers and what they're doing. Right. And unfortunately, most entrepreneurs are not even capturing the first party data that they're entitled to. For example, like most people don't download all of their information from their ad accounts. And if you lose your ad account, you lose all that data and that's gone forever. Oh. Goodbye. Right. So, you know, first party data is going to be increasingly more important. That's one of the reasons why I'm going down the road that I'm going. I need to know all that information myself about my customers, what their preferences are, what they're looking at, what turns them on, what turns them off. I can't rely on a platform, nor is it wise to rely on a platform? I mean, the platforms are really out for themselves at the end of the day. And, you know, I filter a lot of my experience through my own, I filter a lot of my thoughts and what I believe through my own personal experience. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? So like I did this live stream uh, like a year and a half ago called the Council to Save Internet Business, where I invited a bunch of the people that I've coached and all to Delray and a lot of people flew in and we did a 24 hour live stream. I was on for 24 hours, like with a different wow. guest every half hour. And I did that partly because like, I wanted to point out to people that big tech is not our friend that right before that Google had just surpassed, um, the 51%, uh, 51% of the traffic that goes to Google does not leave Google. They go to another Google property which totally negates the whole original agreement of a search engine. The search engine was, we're going to crawl your copyrighted content. We're going to put links to it on our site. People will come to our site because those links are on our site. And then they'll go back out to one of the things that we copied someone's copyrighted material. What 
That was the original agreement. Now it's half the traffic will leave, half of it will stay on our platforms that we'll be able to monetize. And that's where the answer box comes from. And that's where all these things come from, right? Um, just recently, I don't know if it's just me and Google's got a thing for me because I've fought with Google numerous times. But, um, but like when I put my name in Google, there used to be like hundreds of thousands of pages. Now, like I have to put them in quotes, my name. Uh, for those pages oh, really? to come up. When I type Rich Sheffern, there's 92 pages about me and that's it. And I mean, 92 listings, that's it. So yeah, I don't, I just, my thought is, is that I love to buy from Amazon. I love like my Apple products um, and I use Google and YouTube, et cetera. And I use Facebook and Instagram, but none of these people are our friends. And if we're totally relying on them, we will have problems at some point. Um, I think that what will continue is that there will always be um, there will always be a platform that is better for advertisers than the other platforms, right? Um, that platforms become saturated, price points become saturated, and other new or things change and there's a preferred platform. And I think people make the mistake of not knowing what that is, right? Like, so for right now, for example, YouTube is much, much easier to make work than Facebook. Yeah. And if you're on Facebook trying to make it work and you haven't done YouTube, like that's a big mistake. And, you know, right now there's a glut of supply for in Amazon. So you can, I know a lot of people that are doing extremely well on Amazon, as I know people are doing really well on Snapchat. Now, I'm not saying that you should, you know, quickly just like drop what you're doing, but if you're not consistently looking for those opportunities, you miss the opportunity when things are easiest and most effective and easiest to make the most amount of money. So I think that there'll always be a platform and people have to recognize that and therefore have to recognize that there really is a first mover advantage to sure. online marketing. Um, whether that's a new tactic or strategy, what I share with people or whether it's a new platform or like, but like there's always new online and generally there'll be price inefficiencies there because it's so efficient everywhere else because it's bidding and the bidding will quickly make, you know, the, the, the cost of traffic equal what the value of the marketplace has put on it on a, yeah. you know, on a, a market that's already reached some kind of equilibrium. So I'd say that that's, there's always going to be more platforms and no one should think that like, you know, Facebook and Google have it all tied up and that's going to be the end of it because that won't be. Um, but I would say that people's attention is going to be increasingly become more scarce and that's going to put more and more demands on marketers. And that we're going to, you know, I did this steal our winners with a gentleman by the name of Walter Birch, uh, and who's not a guru, but is a player like that, you know, someone who's significant in the industry that a lot of gurus know, but yeah. doesn't spend their time teaching, spends their time just making money. And uh, Walter's one of those guys. And, you know, he shared a strategy that he found to work in YouTube about YouTube advertising and did a full analysis because he's, a, you know, he's, he's substantial. And the, um, and what he found was he gave this distinction between tease versus taste and that like the, the ads that were working best 
didn't just tease like because you're a total interruption on YouTube advertising. Someone clicked the thumbnail. They're like wanting to watch this. And now you pop up. And if you're trying to and the targeting is great on YouTube. So they're putting you in front of someone who is the right target, but they might not be in the mood at that moment because they were on their way to go see something else. If you want to get me to eat Oreos, the easiest way to do that is to throw an Oreo in my mouth. I'm very good at not eating Oreos until I eat an Oreo, right? That's why I don't have any Oreos in my house, because as soon as I eat one, I eat the bag. Um, so same here, right? Like if you tease someone, it's very hard to get someone in the mood and people have more place more value on their attention now. So there's a big difference between saying like in this video, I'm going to show you the top three ways to increase your conversion rates versus like in starting the video with the first way you increase conversion rates is this and you start going right dive into the action and then tease right. And so when I wrote the attention age doctrine one and two, which I wrote back in like 2007, talking about how attention was going to become scarce and where people's attention was going to go is social media, this new thing, web 2.0 and stuff. Um, the, when I was sharing that with a, a famous copywriter in direct response named John Carlton, uh, what he said to me was, wow, it seems like almost there's an AIDA before AIDA. Like you have to get their attention, interest, desire, and have them act the action being giving you their attention so that then you can, you know, do the next AIDA. And, you know, with tease versus taste, Walter's uh, distinction there, um, it's basically saying if you want to get someone's attention, you better move the value of them giving you that attention earlier and more forward, like, you know, more obvious, right? And we've certainly all seen sales letters that give good value in the sales letter, right? Like they give a few strategies right there and then, right? Yeah. To make it more valuable. Um, but so I think that the idea of uh, recognizing that and that more and more, you are going to have to bribe people for their attention when you go through standard channels is really um, critical. I'd also say though, that if you look at the history of direct response, uh, the biggest breakthroughs across the board consistently throughout time um, have been changes in format. So, you know, the, when we went from, uh, regular letters to personalized letters, there was a bump when we went from like, you know, number, like whatever the standard envelope was to a different size envelope, there was a bump. When we went to Magalogs, there was a huge bump, like huge, right? When we went to VSLs, huge bump. When we went to automated webinars or webinars, huge bump. And so I like to call that like stealth selling or camouflage selling. And really, uh, my first experience in it was even doing advertorials, like in newspapers and getting, you know, slug like advertisement, which didn't matter at all. Um, the, the every once in a while, there's a change in format in direct response. And that change in format buys you some extra seconds, or maybe longer, where it's not as overt and obvious that you're trying to sell them. Okay. And so therefore, it's easier to get attention. And because it's easier to get attention, um, it works, it works extremely well, and then it gets beaten the crap out of until it no longer works um, anywhere like it did. And that happened with VS that happened with VSLs. I mean, VSLs can still do really well, but 
at Agora, like it was either 2016 or 17, where like just taking a sales letter and putting in a VSL, no difference, mm -hmm. right? Zero difference. Um, it used to be a 400% difference. Wow. But over time, zero difference, right? So the, so there are always opportunities like that. Um, and it's about being on the lookout, like recognizing that if you come across something that sucks you in, that is marketing oriented, to recognize that that might be something that maybe you should pay closer attention to and use. But um, so those things are going to happen. I think like, though, it's very hard to say. I would say, well, I'll tell uh, like a couple other things. Um, definitely IoT is going to be huge. And same with 5G. Like, you know, nobody predicted Uber and things of that nature before 4G kind of came because like we weren't capable of doing it. Now, like when when real 5G comes online, like real, like where, you know, that the the speed is maintained, nobody knows what like there will be new things. And nobody knows what those new things will be because like we don't even have the capability yet. So once we have the capability, people's creativity will, you know, expand the, you know, the, the, the applications. However, I would say that where we're going overall, um, and, you know, I'm trying to move in this direction myself is like one of the things that we want to do, and then I'll go back to the direction because it, it fits is like, once we have all this data, right. Um, we want to have like some kind of initiation, like when someone first joins, like figure out like what assets they have in their business and what they don't so that we can give them and also incentivize them to, to, to go through what we believe would be the most uh, impactful strategy that would help grow their business in the quickest manner, in the shortest amount of time, right? Like yeah. for them, right? With the goal being like getting everyone a great outcome within the first 14 days, because as a marketer, we know that like, if we have a ridiculous number of people, like on any like sales page, and everyone's like, within the first 14 days, like I made, you know, 100 times what I paid for this. Um, that's powerful. The, I think long term, that's like the beginning for us. But I think long term, you're going to be much more a partner in the outcome for your customers than you can even imagine right now. Um, they're like, I, I'm not the best sleeper in the world, right? Um, I, if at some point there's going to be a mattress company that is willing to give me a mattress for free, that I pay them based on the quality of the sleep I had that night. Wow. So maybe like, you know what I mean? And, and they're my partner in getting a good sleep, getting, getting good sleep at night. And they have control over the mattress and they can determine which mattress to switch out. Right. I mean, it's not very much different. Like, you know, like the Apple iPhone program, right? Like I pay Apple, you know, I do the Apple program. So it's, they break the phone payments into 24 payments. I pay, you know, the first 12. And then after the first 12, like I can hand them back this phone and just get a new phone. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, people are, you know, Porsche is doing that now. Like they have like, there's a few car companies that you just pay them a fee every month and you decide like which car you want yeah. to use that month or whatever. So I think that with IOT though, we can know like 
what people are willing to share, but like we can know a lot more. And with that ability to know a lot more will come the responsibility of helping our clients that much more. And so we'll be much more. And at the end of the day, that's the way I look at businesses anyway. A business, it, like from your customer's perspective, is just a system to get an outcome. Yeah. And whichever system gets the best outcome is the one I'm going to use. That's why Netflix is, was a superior system for watching home entertainment than Blockbuster. Because one, I just had to turn on the TV. The other, I had to get in my car, drive to, you know, do a bunch of stuff. So the more that we can take the onus of effort off of our prospects or customers and put it on our shoulders, the more that's going to be expected because someone's going to do it. And so, um, you know, I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world, like, I don't know, five years ago or seven years ago when I could like use OmniFocus with my list, like the David Allen getting things done and the supermarket yeah. list would pop up when I went to the supermarket because I had already told my phone, this is the supermarket. Show me this list when I come here. Yeah. Right. Like that's just like, you know, the smallest thing. Right. Like and we can. You know. Your coffee company is going to be your partner in having a great coffee every morning. And you're like, this is going to be more of the reality. And every company wants to be slotted in those positions. And it's a question of who is going to like develop the technology far enough. So I, in the grand scheme of things, get ready to be more in the partnership with your clients on getting them the outcome that they want. So like this distinction right now of information done with you, done for you yeah. is all going to just go away to a certain extent. And it's all going to be done with you or done for you, but there's not going to be, you know, the, just get the information and fly. I mean, one, one thing that really, you know, scares the living, living daylights out of me when you talk like this is like, it's so cool. My mind is blown. I'm like, holy shit, but I'm, I'm a privacy gal and I'm a, you know, and you know, like people right. who are into blockchain and, and, you know, and Bitcoin and crypto tend to kind of skew towards the libertarian uh, spectrum of things. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm a libertarian by any means, but when I, when I hear you speak, speak like this, it scares me because then somebody like, you know, how, how do we balance? And I, I you know, I know we're, we're going on a, this crazy right. tangent, but this is really interesting. I'm just curious as a last question for you, how do we balance personal, you know, uh, personal information and privacy with all the stuff you're talking about. Like how, how do I, how do I kind of go off the grid? If I want to go off the grid, how, how, how does a marketer not overstep his boundary by like the mattress company coming to tell me, you know, Maria, you only slept six and a half hours. You're not doing so good. You need seven. You right. know what I mean? Like, how do we get out of this big brother type? Uh, I don't think, I don't think we do. Um, I think, you know, I had, um, I was involved in a company, we never um, ended up taking it live. Um, but, but not because of the technology, the technology was there. It's just other issues. But um, the product was called site visitor. And for five cents, we would identify the visitors that came to your website. Um, they don't have to opt in, they don't have to do anything, we know who they are. And that's based on an identity graph, which Facebook has, which Google has, uh, uh, Jump Point, is that it? No, no, uh, LiveRamp has um, a few other companies. I forget their names off the top of my head. When I was much more involved in it, I didn't remember them. But um, so, yeah, there really are, you know, it's close to impossible 
to keep things private online, right? Like if you <laughs> use any extension, yeah, people know, like it doesn't matter. Like if you're using an extension, you're, you're screwed, right? Like right out of the gate. Um, if, if you use, if you're doing anything on any of the major platforms, whether you're signed into Google, signed into Facebook, signed into YouTube, like, yeah, it's problematic. So I think that it's better to recognize that, um, that privacy, if you really want privacy, it should not be electronic at the end of the day. Which, you is know, I mean, that's catch 20. Well, you can't, you like, you want your privacy, but if you're not online entrepreneur, for example, you just can't. <laughs> you just yeah, can't have it. You know, well, I mean, like, look, I purposely do a lot of my work away from the computer. I don't do it for privacy reasons. I do it because I have ADD and I will like distract myself to no end when yeah. I have the opportunity to. And also, I just don't like staring at a screen all day. Like, it's just not. So if I have like stuff that I need to work on, I'll oftentimes go away from my computer um, just because like it's too distracting for me. I also use a VPN. And I, but like at the end of the day, I, and I don't like things tracking me on my phone. So I always say no to that, but you know, like Google knows things about you and me that we haven't shared with anyone else, period, you know, zero, right? Yeah. Like they know more about us than anyone. And, um, you know, I think personally, I would rather see ads that have been customized to me. It's like, I, you know, it's not a big deal for me. Like I'd rather things be relevant, but I do get what you're saying. And I imagine, I don't know. Like, I just really don't see that being handled. There, I, I mean, there, you know, you saying that also like, and I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to end the, I'm yeah. going to end it on this point, but you saying that to me is kind of also um, promoting overconsumption because I mean, if you want certain things and you're just constantly presented them these certain things it's not like you're driving on a highway and there's billboards about a, a, a hundred different things some are applicable to you some are not now you're just being presenting constant stuff that you want like you like rollerblading and it's all about rollerblading and all this stuff doesn't that almost like you know uh, you know almost entrap you i mean i'm just like yeah one of the biggest things about my personality and things that I kind of like to research is, is, you know, how all this stuff that you're talking about is going to impact privacy and being able to, you know, not share everything with the world, not, you know, for example, I have curly hair and I'm constantly looking for ways to have my hair straightened. I'm constantly being, you know, barraged with like products. And I swear to God, like if I have one more freaking straightening hair product, it would be like, I've tried everything. Nothing works. And, I feel like, you know, but like, I feel like you know, you and I are like soulmates. Like I, I only like women with straight hair and my girlfriend is always, and my ex-wife was always like, they like, they would always try and get their hair done with like curls. And I'm like, what the hell? hell and i they told me the opposite me i always want to have it art. straight <laughs> so but you know that's that's just a, a common example of you know being bombarded by something that is my purchasing purchasing habits and stuff like that and i don't maybe i disagree with you a little bit on that point is i don't necessarily always want to get straightened hair products because that's what i'm looking oh, for because i'm yeah. going to keep buying them and it, you know i you know at a certain point it's it just you know um it, it's just it's it's been something on my mind since i got into you know, this in 
industry like a long, long time ago, 15, 20 years is, you know, the, the, the privacy versus the sharing angle and, and, and so forth. And I hear the stuff that you're saying, and I love it on a technology standpoint. And I love it on a, like, holy shit, this is cool. But then it scares the living daylights out of me. Cause I'm like, man, how, how is like, Every time, like, is the, you know, IRS at some point going to know exactly where I went, how much I spent and what I did here and what I did there and the government, like, it's just going to start getting a little bit, um, you know, rights and freedoms or, or your freedom is almost going to be, um, you know, compromised with all these advances in technology. But I, I thank you so much for that, that, that point of view. And, and I know that we, we spoke, but you were, it was so interesting and my mind is blown and I'm like, I I'm scared, but excited for the next 10 years. I know the next decade myself, personally, I feel like the next decade is going to be just like, like AI crazy 1984 shit that's going to happen. Uh, well, it, <laughs> that's it, what it I certainly think. could be. It certainly could be because like it took 150 years in the US um, for us to switch from a farming society to an industrial society. I mean, it was, and I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I, I've, I've had these in presentations, but I think it was like, it was something like 90% of the workforce was involved in farming. And then like, you know, 150 years later, it was like 10%. So 80% of the population like changed their jobs, right? But it was yeah. over 150 years, yeah. like with this, they're saying that like it could be 60 or 70% of the jobs and it could happen in a much shorter time frame, which could be, and then like, you know, any kind of like unforeseen event, like, you know, a black swan event as Taleb would say, right. Um, would make everything like completely change. And we're more susceptible to black swan events than any other time in history. So uh, yeah, that could always happen too. Oh, yeah, well, COVID was one. Let's see what's yep. what's what's going to happen next. So thank you so much, Rich. This was, I mean, everybody who's listening, I'm sure your mind is blown. You're probably going to start reading 1984 and going through this rabbit hole, uh, which is what I'm going to do. So thank you so much for your time and uh, have yourself a great day. Thanks. For, thank you for having me. And it was fun being here. Bye. Great. Thank you. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 